This is Pastor Matt. I want to thank you so much for joining us as we go through our series on the Gospel of John. I invite you now to grab your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of John, and settle in for today's message. Thank you, Chad. We like that. Oh, wake up. Thank you, Chad. We like that song. That's right. We're going to start teaching. Uh, we're having a, a lot of new visitors in here, so we've got to start teaching y'all what we say whenever Chad finishes singing, right? Well, uh, I thank you again all for making us a part of your worship experience, for being here with us this morning, and I'm just so uh, excited again to start with baptism and again to be able to announce about a new baby coming into the church. We have a lot of new babies coming into the church here this upcoming year uh, with Caitlin and Tanner back there. And uh, we've also got Ashley and we've got uh, Sabrina and we've got numerous others as well. Just so excited um, about everything that's going on there. And I told them we're going to have to add on to the nursery down there. So our next building project will be to build a bigger nursery. So we're, we're adding in all of the areas that we need to. And I was told once that uh, there was a year where there was a lot of funerals, and uh, Terry got up here and said, we need babies, and they all started popping up, so I guess y'all really took, you know, Terry's words to heart, so we still need more babies, so y'all, you know, but we're uh, very excited um, about that, to be able to celebrate that together, and last week we started our pretty much year-long sermon series as we go through uh, the book of John, and, and we're just in the prologue, so if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I ask that you turn with me to the first chapter of John. We are in the sixth verse. We'll be going in verses 6 uh, through 13. Last week, we answered a very important question. Who is this man? When we're talking about this man, we're, we're meaning Jesus, and we learned that he was the beginning, that he is the creator, and that he is the light. Our three points from last week. So this week we're going to dive a little bit deeper and see how John tells us even more about how Christ is not just a light in the world, but that he is the true light in the world. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, or if you have your note sheet in front of you again, John chapter 1, starting in verse 6. It says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. We're going to talk about that. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. Notice that the H in him there is lowercase, which means we're not talking about Christ. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and... Though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, 
To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. So right here, John is writing about John. The question that I have for you this morning is that, is John writing about himself? No. One thing about John is throughout the entire gospel of John, John never refers to himself as John. John refers to himself by other means. We talked about this last week, the beloved disciple, the one that Jesus loved, right? He liked to say he's Jesus' favorite disciple, right? The one that Jesus cared about the most. John never uses his name. So when he's referencing John here, he is not talking about himself, but he is talking about John the Baptist. What is John the Baptist's relation to Christ? He is his cousin. That's right. Man, y'all are doing pretty good. So I told y'all that John was a heavy book, right? It uses some of the easiest language in the entire New Testament whenever you go through the original Greek, but it has some of the most deepest, it has some of the, the deeper meanings throughout Scripture. It's theologically meaty, and it's one of those Gospels that's vitally important for us to understand and try to gnaw as much meat off of this bone as we can. So he lines out things for us right here in the first verse that there will be no one who comes before him, meaning Christ. So you have John the Baptist here that John is talking about. We're answering the question, who is this other John? Again, it would be through John the Baptist that the 400 years of silence from the Lord are broken. Now, we talked about this at Christmas time. The angels came and delivered a message to the shepherds, right? To go and see the baby in Bethlehem. We saw where angels spoke to Mary and, and to Joseph. We see all of that. But John is kind of the, the, the most recent prophet who comes out of that 400 years of silence as he begins paving the way for Christ. John wants to take time here, John the writer, wants to take time to ensure everyone that John the Baptist is not the Messiah. He is not the light. It is through him, meaning John the Baptist, that people would believe in Jesus Christ. He's the forerunner. He's the one who's preparing the way. And whenever it comes time for, John, for Jesus to ascend to his position, John is going to have to take a step back. So John here is just the forerunner. He's a preparer of the way for Christ. He wants people to understand, again, John has written this gospel after all the other gospels have been written. This is a spiritual and kind of a, 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 a you know, an addition to everything else that they would have been told. He's kind of in the same position that we are. This is 50 years after Jesus, as, after Jesus' earthly ministry has ended. So he, John is writing to people who would have already read or heard the other gospel accounts. They may have seen Jesus themselves, so they're kind of in the position that we are. We have the entirety of Scripture in front of us. We can see the entire story. We can read all the gospel accounts. We have all the writings of Paul. We have everything collected for us and bound together in a nice book for us to be able to read. Well, John's writing, as John is writing this gospel, the readers and the hearers of this gospel 
would be in a similar position where they would understand and, have, and know the entire story of Jesus Christ. But even by being told that John the Baptist is not the Messiah, there are still those who want to follow John the Baptist. We'll get more into that later, but we have to understand that, that John is expanding here as he moves on from John the Baptist to the focus on light. So what we see in the prologue, and yes, we're still in the prologue, is that John lays out the entire gospel of Jesus Christ in the very first chapter. What follows will be a detailed account of the life of Christ beyond this prologue. Again, John is writing a spiritual account. So he's starting by laying everything out, and then he's going to expand and improve upon it with what comes next. Our first point for this morning is to focus on the fact that Jesus is the true light. The focus on the word true here is vitally important because there are a lot of false lights in the world. There are a lot of false messiahs, false prophets at the time of Christ, both before, during, and after Christ. And there's a lot of false teachers, false prophets, and false messiahs that live in our world today. Alyssa and I have a guilty pleasure that if you know us, you know what it is. We really like to watch documentaries on cults. It's just fascinating, right? But all of these people always portray themselves as Jesus, God, some, you know, they are the one that you've been waiting for. And they're going to provide all of this stuff to you, and they wrap people up in it, and they have sometimes small groups of people, sometimes larger groups of people. You've got everyone from Charles Manson who would say that he was Jesus Christ all the way to, I think the, the last documentary that came out was on this lady called Mother God who ended up turning blue and dying, right? So we, ha we see this in our world today, that people claim to be the light. And as John is penning this, he knows that. So it's important for him at the very beginning, and everything in Scripture matters, right? Everything in Scripture matters, where it's located, how it's written, how it's constructed and put together, the words that are used, and the fact that John starts at the very beginning with the deity of Christ, stating that he was in the beginning, that everything was created through him, and that he is the true light, is to combat the fact that there is a lot of false doctrine that is permeating the earth at this time, at the time of the writing of this gospel. John sees all the other writings. John sees everything else that's going on, and being the only disciple that lives till he's old, John's able to witness kind of the transformation of the world around him. So John writes this not just to supplement the other gospels and to give them kind of give them a little bit more a little bit, you know, more meat to them and to bring everything together more cohesively, but John's also addressing the fact that there's a lot of false teaching that's going around in the world at the time. So he takes the first chapter of his gospel and says, "I'm here to set the record straight." There are a lot of false lights in the world, but there is only one true light. Verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So he's saying nothing before Christ and nothing after Christ. That Christ himself is the true light. 
He was in the world and through the world was, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him, which leads us to our second point that John wants us to know. Not only is Jesus the true light, but Jesus also faces rejection. He is the creator. He has created the world. Creation is his. But as he comes into the world, the world does not know him. We're told that not only will the world reject Christ, but that his own people reject him, which would be the Jews. Spiritual blindness kept the world and even Jesus's own people, the Jewish people, from seeing him. And he's standing right in front of them. Are we any different today? Jesus is standing right in front of us. Do we see him? Or do we look around him? Do we look away from him? Does Jesus face rejection from us? And I can answer that question for you. The answer is yes, especially today. Because everything that goes on in our world, our, our world is just put together to reject Christ. Everything about it. And it's so easy for us to fall prey to the world. John tells us the world does not know Christ. So if we are known by the world, then how well are we known by Christ? The world rejects Christ. So if the world is accepting of us, then are we upholding our end of the bargain to be like Christ? No. Because he tells us that you will be aliens and strangers in this world, that you don't belong here, that you are different, that you are not to be a a part of the world, but apart from the world. The world should look at you and know that something is different. And when the world looked at Jesus Christ, they knew that something was different. And the big part that they struggled with the most, especially his own people, was that Jesus didn't look how they wanted him to look. He wasn't this conquering saint, this conquering king. Well, is the church today much different than that? Instead of wanting Jesus to be this conquering king, we're looking for this big, soft, and plushy Jesus. And we need that to be who he is. And if that's not who he is, then we change the doctrine in our church, and we do new creeds, and we, we, we pledge ourselves to a God that doesn't exist through the eyes of Jesus. Because the Jesus of, the, of Scripture is not the Jesus that we want because he just sounds mean sometimes. Because God's hard. Because God's ways are difficult. Because it's different. Finally, our focus for this morning. Jesus is the way. This shows the contrast of his rejection. So it's kind of a bad news, good news situation that John's telling us if we look in verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. 
He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Doesn't sound good. The world doesn't like Jesus, and his people don't like him. Doesn't sound good. And there's a very important word in verse 12. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Through Christ, we have been made children of God. The reality is that this no longer was exclusive to the Jews, because before Jesus Christ, the people of God only, only talked about the Jewish people. Now, through Christ, and because partly because of the rejection of him by his own people, now the entire world, Gentiles included, which are us, are adopted into the family of God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And it's only made possible through him. The early Christian church was not called Christian. Does anyone know what the early Christian church, or early Christians were referred to as? They were followers of the way. Jesus is the way. The, all capitals. Not a way, not some way. Jesus is the way. And only through him do we become children of God. Receiving Christ is accepting and acknowledging his claims of who he is. And he gives us the right to become children of God. It is a gift specifically from Christ that accepting him gives us the full authority to claim that we are children of God. This title has been hijacked a lot in our society today as well where people want to say everybody is a child of God. Scripture tells us that those who are children of God are those who have accepted Jesus Christ. There's going to be some very hard realities that are going to hit a lot of people whenever their time on earth comes to an end. And my hope and prayer is that you're not one of them that you're not being lulled into this false sense of security, but that you're reading the words of John here and understanding that Jesus is the way. That you understand who he says he is. That you understand what receiving him into your heart truly means. And what Meadow did today is an example of that. It's showing what God has done in her life, which has transformed her from a wretch to a child of God. We talked about this on Wednesday night as well, and I'll start wrapping it up. When you think about God, he's referred to as the king. You have seen the king. You are in the presence of the king. Capital K, because there is no king greater than God. And when you accept Jesus Christ and you devote your life to him, then you are a child of the king. And what are children of the king always promised? A grand inheritance, right? 
Chad sang a beautiful song, Wish You Were Here. The only way that you get to experience any lyric that that song had was by knowing who Jesus Christ is. The only way that you get to see those who have gone on before you and have accepted Jesus Christ is to ensure that you've done the same. And not that you have accepted some modern day God, but that you have accepted the Savior of the gospel, the one that has not changed, that will not change, that one that is the beginning, is the creator, and is the true light, the one that in and of himself is the entire way. So we live in a world today that is post-Christ, with all the writing and the evidence of his existence and his deity and John lays out at the start who Jesus is. My question for you is, do you believe it? Do you understand it? And are you willing to go deeper in it? Because a surface level understanding of Jesus Christ is not enough. You need to be willing to do more. To understand him better. And to get to know him so that you can follow his ways because his ways are perfect. And Jesus is the only way. My prayer for you today is that if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that you'll do that. That if you've been visiting with us a while, or if today's maybe your first day here with us, but you're like, man, the Lord is leading me here. This is where he has for me to be, to plant myself and to serve him. I invite you to do that this morning as well. That during our time of invitation that you will respond as the way that Lord is speaking to you. But more importantly, if you have been battling with him. Or if maybe your understanding of who he is hasn't been that great and you need to reassess that. My prayer is that you'll do that this morning. I promise you that this sermon series gets tough at points. Because we're not skipping any part of the gospel of John. And he touches on a lot of things. We've already touched on some pretty heavy topics, and we haven't even gotten into the life of Christ yet. So I hope that you're excited and looking forward to all that we have coming up, and that you'll respond in the way that the Lord is speaking to you this morning. May we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today, Lord. We again just thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. Lord, I thank you for everyone who's here. Lord, I pray that you would just impart your wisdom upon them to do the things that you have planned for them to do in their life. And Lord, that they look to you, truly to you, for the inspiration and guidance that they need. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning who's been praying about the possibility of joining our church fellowship, I pray that they'll answer that call. But Lord, more importantly, Lord, I pray that if there's someone here who you've been speaking to their spirit, you've been calling them to yourself, they've been rejecting it, holding it off for whatever reason, Lord, that they will answer that call this morning because that's the most important call of all. But Lord, during this time of invitation, I pray that you give us the courage and strength to respond in the way that you're leading us now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.